0: Lie on a high priest, we rely on the son. I, I think about it this way. We went home uh, to my parents' house for Christmas. Uh, I'm originally from Northern California, so we made the 12-hour drive with my three-and-a-half-year-old and my 11-month-old, which, that's a whole nother story. Uh, but we got to my dad's house, and a little bit about my dad. My dad's really into, like, home security Right. So my dad has guns and they live out in the country and they have dogs on the property. And as soon as anyone drives up the driveway, the dogs are barking and, you know, there's security lights and they have this big, thick security door um, that is in front of the front door. So you'd have to actually go through two doors to get into their house. And there's thick bars and there's a thick screen that you can't see through. And there's locks on the security door and there's locks on the regular door. And my dad is serious about home security. Right. We haven't been home for two and a half, almost three years. When I come home, I don't go through the security door. I walk in through the garage. I go through the side door, because that's my dad, and I'm his son. I don't need to jump through the hoops. I don't need to go through the formalities of knocking on the door, waiting for them to answer, showing my credentials or my resume, or proving why I'm a safe enough person for them to allow me into their house. I'm his son. He knows me. If any of you were to come with me to my dad's house, we wouldn't go through the front door. That's for strangers. We would enter in through the garage, through the side door, My mom would open the refrigerator and offer food and beverages. We would sit around the coffee table and and be together because I'm the son. And that's my dad. That's what the author is describing here. We have access through the sun. We go in through the side door now. There's, There's no need to try to prove our way through the security door. We walk in. We kick our shoes off. We make ourselves at home because of the sun. This is really good news. The sun doesn't ask for our resume. The sun doesn't ask for our credentials. The sun just asks us to have faith. Faith in the sacrifice that's already been provided. There's already access. As we reflect on the past, the worst things that we've done have been washed clean have been cleansed through this sacrifice, and so we can enter in through the side door. Uh, one of the things that, as I reflect on my past, that really just jumped off to the page to me is, is, the author says, let us draw near. This commandment is from God. God the Father wants us to draw near. God desires that we draw near to him. We don't have to earn his affection. We don't have to work for these things. We don't have to rely on our past, on our good deeds. All we need to do is draw near. This is good news. Our past is cleansed. All of the what about questions that we have, what about when I did this, what about this horrible thing that I still try to keep secret, those are wiped clean in Jesus. Our past should no longer weigh us down, but free us to move forward. Any of the fears, any of the insecurities, any of the bitterness, any of the anger, any of the depression that we have weighing us down from our past is null and void through faith in Jesus. Which frees us to move forward. The author goes on by saying, let us draw near in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from our evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our past no longer matters in Christ and let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Our past is cleansed and our future is sure. Not because of what we do Not because of our resume, not because of our five-year plan, or our savings accounts, or any of the great things about us, but our future is secure because of who God is. Some of us may be more likely to be weighed down by our past. Some of us may be more likely to be obsessed with our future, with our planning, with our worries, with our anxieties, with our fear with our need to control things because of what might happen. We hear the what if questions. What about this? What about that? What about the other? And the author is saying, as much as your past is taken care of, your future is taken care of as well. Because we know God is faithful. We know that God is good. Throughout the Old Testament, as God interacts with his people, he calls them to remember. And he'll say, remember who I am. Remember that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph. Remember my faithfulness to the promises, the covenants that I've made to these, these men, these fa- this family. Remember that I am the God who delivered you out of Egypt. Re- remember, remember who I am. Remember that I am the God who provided manna and quail and water as you wandered through the wilderness. Remember that I am the God who drove out your enemies into the promised land. Remember that I am the God who continues to make a way in our relationship, who continues to pursue you. Remember that I am faithful. My wife and I try to do this. It seems like more often than not we have crazy circumstances pop up in our lives and those moments of uncertainty. And at this point we've had enough of those and we've seen that God is good, that they're still scary but not quite as scary. Because we can look back and remember how God was faithful to us as we were dating. And we can look back and think about the crazy times of our engagement and the ways that God provided as I lost a job. And we can look back over our marriage and over choices that we've made and circumstances that have occurred and all of these different things and seeing God's goodness. And that makes the scary times not quite as scary. Because we can see, if God has been good to us in the past, and God is still being good to us in the present, then it's logical that God will continue to be good to us in the future. And it's amazing. At some of the darkest times, now on the other end, we see God's hand. We see God's plan beginning to unfold in things that make us angry, and things that made us cry, and things that made us question. We can see God's goodness. I'm sure for, the, for Jesus' disciples, as he was arrested, as he was beaten, being beaten and, and crucified, they, I would imagine they had some questions. Uh, I thought this was the son of God. I thought he was the Messiah. What the heck is going on? This is a very dark night. But on the other end, they can see God's faithfulness through that. And so as we think about our future, I won't speak for you. I can speak for me. Even in my darkest times, when I reflect, I can see God's goodness. I can see God's hand. I can see God provide just the right person who says just the right thing at just the right time, and it's okay, or at least not as bad. Don't forget those things. Hold fast to the hope that we have in God. As we look forward to a new year and years to come, don't waver. God doesn't, right? We don't waver because we are so good or because we are so great or because our families or our jobs or any of these other things are so secure. I I mean, think about the news in 2014. There's been a lot of uncertainty, but God is good and God is in control. And even in the most difficult times, he still has his hand on our lives. And so as we look to the past, we know that we have faith because we've been cleansed. We can draw near to God. As we look to the future, we know that we can have hope because God is good and God is in control. And that frees us up. It frees us up to be fully present, to be here, not to be anxious or worried about the future, not to be bitter or resentful of the past, but to be present the author goes on to say, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider. The author uses this word consider one other time in the book of Hebrews, and it's found in chapter three, verse one, and he says simply, consider Jesus. It carries connotations of Fill your mind with. In chapter three, it's fill your mind with Jesus. Now here in chapter 10, because our minds are full of Jesus, we should be filling our minds with, with one another in love, not in a creepy stalker sense, but in a sense of think about each other, consider, dwell upon. Fill your minds not with yourselves, but with other people, so that we can love So that we can love intentionally in a handcrafted sort of way, not in a mass produced sort of way. Does this make sense? Right. So so think about um, handcrafted goods are made with the person in mind. Specialty items, things that aren't mass produced for everyone, but for a certain segment of the population that they will enjoy. Understand your market. Understand the people around you. I think often we spend a lot of time considering how we can love ourselves. What will make us comfortable? What will make us happy? What will make us feel fulfilled? But I wonder what it would look like if we spent that much time considering other people. What would bring about their happiness? What would draw them closer to the Lord? And there's some specific qualifiers here. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. The word stir up in the Greek is irritate. Literally, irritate one another into love and good works. I I think about my son who many times demands an immediate answer from me. And if not, I hear something like this, dad, 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 daddy, 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 dad, 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 what? That's what the author is drawing on. Be that persistent with one another that they have to respond. Otherwise, they'll go crazy. So, irritate one another, stir up one another to love and good works. Uh, uh, The literal translation would be beautiful deeds. You got Ricardo mentioned it. I write poetry. I like that way better than good works, right? Good works is like very utilitarian. But beautiful deeds. How can we spread the beauty of God throughout our community? There are ways that you guys can do that that I cannot. It's not within my giftings. It's not within my abilities, uh, my schedule, my talents. But I should be considering how to stir you up to those things. I should be considering how to stir my wife up to be the most loving, godly parent and spouse and community member and daughter that she can be. I I should be considering as I parent, how can I stir my boys up to be the best representation of the gospel that they can live out. I should be considering my interactions with my coworkers, with the people in my community, with my neighbors, with all of these people that we rub shoulders with How can we stir them up to love and to good works? Not neglecting to meet together. We cannot stir one another up if we are living in isolation. There are two options here. Either we're in community or we're not in community. Either we're meeting together or we're not meeting together. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. See, both are habit-forming. Both get us in a groove. We can easily neglect to meet, which makes it that much easier not to meet the next time. Which makes it that much easier not to meet the next time, and pretty soon, Gosh, we haven't been to church since Christmas or Easter. We haven't met with our RC. We haven't prayed with our accountability partner. We haven't talked about the Lord. It's not a drastic shift, it's a a slow change. It's like when you're outside in the sun and all of a sudden you feel a chill and you realize that the shade is way over here. It's just slowly crept over us. The author is telling us something important here. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect one another because we need one another. We're commanded to meet together. We're commanded to be in community. But, but I think there's something else. As we think back over this passage, we know that our pasts are huge. We know that they can weigh heavily on us. And, and we know that the future can be scary and uncertain. And it's really, really easy to get caught up in those things, and we need each other. We need reminders. We need other people considering how to love us. We need other people considering how to stir up in us the desire to perform beautiful deeds in our community, in our families, and in our own lives. We need that that irritant, right? That irritation of you should be loving. You should be trusting God, you should be having faith that your past is cleansed. Don't let it separate you from the Father. We should have those reminders that your hope is secure. Don't let it distract from the goal. We should have those people in our lives that, that call us out. That say, hey, we haven't seen you for a while. You okay? We were created for community. We are we created... Uh, to be in loving relationships with one another because that's the model that God has given us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. We're called the body and the body must function together. He ends with we should be encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's a sense of urgency. Uh, There's a sense of, of call to action. The day is drawing near. We have a limited amount of time. Christ is coming back. What will we do with our days? What will we do with the minutes that we have? Will we spend them focused on the past? Will we spend them developing our own sacrificial systems, proving to God how worthy and how great we are? Will we spend them anxiously worried about the future, preparing, distracted? Will we spend them neglecting to meet together? Or will we spend them present, in love? Will we spend them living out the great example that Jesus left for us, who through faith in his sacrifice, our past is cleansed? And because we have confidence access to God the Father, our future, is hopeful, which allows us to sacrificially love one another just as he did, which allows us to lovingly irritate one another to love and to beautiful deeds. Will we be present? Will we be engaged? Will we be focused because the day is drawing near? Will you guys pray with me? we thank you. We thank you for a new year. We thank you for new opportunities. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that through faith in your son, our past is cleansed. We thank you that because of your faithfulness, our, our future is secure. And we thank you for the example you gave us to love one another. Help us to live in the present. Help us to not be weighed down by our past. Help us to not be overwhelmed and anxious about our future. But help us to trust. Help us to hold uh, without wavering the hope that you have established. And help us to love one another well. Help us to be intentional with the way that we do community here. We love you Jesus, please help us to love you more. Please help us to love each other more. We pray these things in your name, amen.